The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, um, the word sila, the Pali word, is sometimes translated as ethics. And um, I used to to think that ethics uh, referred specifically to following a set of precepts or rules or a very narrow domain of morality, what was moral or not moral or something. And then um, about 20 years ago, I was surprised to discover that in some circles of uh, some environments, people refer to the word ethics much more broadly than that. And... uh, Ethics, uh, like in, in the academic study of religion, ethics means um, how people behave. And, uh, you know, in all areas, behavior. And, um, and I think that um, the Buddhist word sila really encompasses all of what Buddhism is about. It isn't like, you know, that this is the kindergarten Buddhism you know, get the sila under, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, under your belt so that, you know, you can, you can uh, then get onto the real stuff. But uh, there, um, uh, that sila really applies directly to um, how we behave in all areas of our life, how we live our life, how we speak, how we act, our livelihood, um, how we engage in the world, how we engage with ourselves. It has to do with the world of how we are in relationship. And are we in relationship in ways that are healthy or not healthy? Are we in relationship with all these areas of life in ways that um, uh, cause harm or bring benefit? Are we in relationship in ways that are uh, helpful to ourselves or helpful to others? Um, you know, How are we in relationship? So it can be uh, small things um, like... Um, Know, small things, but but part of it is also connected to the unseen world, not the mystical unseen world, anything like that. But but the world that's not directly in present for you here. Um, something as simple as um, um, do you know where the water comes from that you drink? Do you know where it goes after you flush the toilet? Do you feel once I flush the toilet, it's not my responsibility. Someone else has to take care of it. You know, it's nothing to do with me. Or what happens to your trash? And. Uh, uh, you know, I don't have to think about my trash. I'm an ethical person. Why should I think about my trash, where it goes? Um, but uh, we're so connected in our life and how we live our life uh, um, affects the world in many, many ways, uh, radiating out from us. And so there's also the consideration of the world that's not uh, immediately present for us. You know, how do we relate to that? Uh, how do we live our life in such a way that our, our life doesn't add to the problems the planet already has? And um, so I think of sila as really being, you know, not, not even the foundation of Buddhism and not like the beginning of it, but really the whole thing. And how to live in a way um, uh, that um, expresses, manifests the best qualities of freedom, of compassion that, can, that our heart is capable of. And... Um, and uh, I think it's a beautiful thing when someone is really interested uh, in all areas of the behavior, interested in this beautiful question, uh, what impact does my behavior in all levels have on the world around me? The world, the, the world close by, the world far away. And how can I live in such a way 
that the impact I have is beneficial for the world and for myself and for all concerned. And you realize it includes the whole scope of one's life. Uh, in Buddhism, sila uh, also includes how we think. It isn't just a behavior. behavior. Or say this way, behavior, thinking is a form of behavior. And uh, it can be very impactful. The karma of thinking is as significant as the karma sometimes of, of uh, acting in the, physically in the world. So um, what's the sila? How do we approach uh, even what we think? We think in ways that cause harm to ourselves or to others, or do we think in ways that uh, are beneficial to self and others? To be concerned about the ethics, in a sense, or the sila of that as well. What's beautiful about that approach is, is that um, if we're concerned with all our behavior, our sila, um, it's not, again, not meant to be oppressive, but really it's a way of loving, of caring, being compassionate for everything, including your own mind. How can you be aware of what's going on in your mind? Um, not to feel guilt or feel angry, but to help liberate the forces of suffering, liberate the forces that cause harm in ourselves. And hopefully uh, the whole emphasis on sila in Buddhism is the one that makes you feel lighter as you do it, you know, freer, um, more open. Um. So ethics encompasses so much of our lives. As I want to emphasize here, everything. And, um, and so it's a very, I think, significant thing to explore. And I, I'd like us to explore um, uh, a few questions, very important questions around ethics and, um, and how we understand it and how, what we can learn by looking into it more deeply. And so I have three sets of questions that uh, I'm going to pass out in a little bit. And what I have in mind is to do it this way. Uh, to, I'd like you to form groups of five. And, um, and if there's someone, someone left over, let's come, come find me and I'll help you. We'll have maybe one or two groups of six or whatever we have to do to make it all work out well enough. But let's start with uh, the five thing. And then, um, uh, and then once you're in a group, uh, and uh, why don't you become quiet? I know. And w- yeah, and, and once you're quiet, then um, Inez and I will come around and pass out a slip of paper, which has the question that, or the questions that your group is going to address. And um, so there's three sets of questions. So, that, so you know, uh, you'll get uh, each group. The different groups will get different sets. And then uh, we will. Um, um, uh, you'll discuss it for. For a while, <laughs> for you know, at least twenty minutes or so, and then we'll regather in here, and then we're going to ask you um, to do kind of popcorn style, like we had before. Uh, your reflections, um, oh, and then we're going to uh, your uh, what you learned from from this reflection. The idea being that people from all the groups would just kind of talk a little bit what you learned from that expl- your, of your question. Maybe you sta- state your question first. And then what you learned, and that way the people who weren't didn't have your question can also kind of participate in some of the benefit and exploration of that particular angle on uh, ethics. Make sense? Clear enough? All you have to do is find a group of five and be quiet <laughs> to start, and then uh, we'll make it clear from there. Okay? Thank you.
Well, so, some some groups. There was more more laughter coming out of this topic than in the morning. I'm wondering if some of the groups were having too much fun. After all, we're talking about ethics. <laughs> Yes, it should be fun. That's what. So, um, so let's hear a little bit from. um, Maybe we can start with. um, Try it this way. The first question for those of you who weren't uh, didn't get it was how is ethical behavior how is ethical behavior beneficial to yourself and how is it beneficial to others. And and uh, from people in the groups who answered that question, I think there were three groups. Uh, maybe some people would just kind of offer some um, um, what you learned in the discussion, what was new, what was surprising, um, what you heard, or something. Offer something. Yeah, in our group, um, four of us talked about um, that. That's the question we were given. And although we came to it at the latter part of the meeting, I think it was clear probably from the first that we didn't like the term ethics because we just felt that was the norms of behavior for any group. Mobsters have one ethic and um, (laughs) Buddhists have another. And so we preferred the, I think generally, preferred the term virtue and that at least tilts it in the right direction. Still a lot of room for uh, uh, difference. Um, well, let me just stop there. That, that was, okay. that was a, an important contribution. Well, and the other thing I'm noticing, your metaphor earlier today of the speeding really struck me, and it's very obvious to me by going through several discussions since you used it that it impacted a lot of people. The whole matter of maybe it's not a big issue to be a little bit speeding, but it sure puts you on alert, and I definitely recognize that. And I do that a lot. And uh, I think if my uh, aim is toward a peacefulness, and uh, I've heard you say many times, you know, what are you willing to give? What what are you willing? I don't know. How are you willing to give up for to lose your peacefulness? Right. And uh, I, that, so that framed that very very well. Right. Thank you. Thank you. So someone else from that group had that question. Offer some reflections coming out of your discussion, some thoughts, something, because we're kind of creating a group process here as well. So it'd be nice to offer, offer something, some statements, some reflections, some what you learned, or some perspective on that question. What did you learn? Um, how is ethical behavior beneficial to yourself, and how is it beneficial to others? Oh, there you go. Um, I think another part of what was coming up for us is when when we're really feeling ethical, it feels there's a positive feeling when a person feels soft, kind of talking about, I think, you know, the sense of feeling safe because I don't have to look over my shoulder for the police car coming up on me. And and when when I'm feeling that, and I think when we're all feeling that, that odd permeates out. And so others are invited in, 
because we're softer, we're not in so much judgment, we're able to hold a wider space about what's going on. And that can, that's an offering that people don't get all the time. And then they're invited into a conversation maybe to share more of what's going on with them around things. So it, it's really it's a, a passing on of what you're getting to another person to share, which is a gift, I think, to give another person to be in a virtuous place for them mm-hmm. to not be judged. And Beautiful. I like the word gift. Our, our ethics or our virtue can be a gift. So, someone else? Maybe one more from that question? I think when we, when we behave ethically towards each other, I think that we feel more compassionate and more connected. And this world seems like we always have a lot of the us versus they. And so we feel less separate and much more connected. And the world is a friendlier place. Beautiful. Yes, thank you. Great. So can we have some offerings from this people? The second question, which was... What conditions support ethical integrity? How does mindfulness support ethical integrity? So for um, the conditions that support ethical integrity, um, stability, um, and you know, ultimately uh, we want to be able to create an internal stability regardless of what's going on uh, at what the external conditions are, and mindfulness supports our ability to develop that internal stability. Beautiful. Great. So another offering from that? Um, I would add to that, um, uh, if, if I have a tension around wanting to have a certain image that somebody else sees me as, uh, then that's going to be an, an obstacle. So, so the conditions then that would lead to integrity in that sense would be uh, kind of a relaxation and, and uh, uh, well, bringing, bringing mindfulness to how I would like to be seen and then just being relaxed about that, just accepting, okay, there's something that I want to, that, that's what I I. I want somebody to think of me, and so therefore I'm probably not going to be as open. And also um, the, um, the support of other people, I think, really helps in terms of uh, conditions that, that allow integrity. Um, just feeling the support, uh, I guess more of an unconditional support, and definitely in this room, uh, as an example, just the feeling that everybody is interested, just, just we're bringing interest to the process, and, and it's so wonderfully non-judgmental in that sense, and that really supports integrity, I think. Beautiful. Thank you. So one more offering from that people with that question. Yeah, so behind Jeff, behind you. Uh, one of the things that 
um, several people in our group commented on was was what supports ethical behavior is in in terms of specifics is just being honest with people that you're around and if people are saying or doing something that is offensive or really uh, contrary to the kind of stuff we're studying here to find a way to say it in a, a tactful kind of way and that experience came up with me for me for a week ago and um, and I really had a clear intent in mind to speak up in this particular situation and interestingly enough it didn't come up so I didn't need to but I was able to uh, I was I'd really decided all right this has got to happen um, and so what else we had a couple other comments um, yeah being uh, slowing down and being more patient and of course mindfulness supports that too um, like I know that if I'm if I'm make myself late, um, then I get very impatient driving. Otherwise, if I've got plenty of time, somebody can be dawdling around or doing something crazy, and it doesn't bother me at all. So partly, I make myself late sometimes to kind of get my energy up and be excited. So you know, by the if I'm bored or tired, and I'm late getting here, if I've been driving seventy or eighty down the freeway, I'm pretty awake when I get here. <laughs> Now, fortunately, I haven't gotten any tickets to, I, I, you know, I, I have to knock on whatever to, um, on that, but uh, I'll tell you if I get a ticket in the next week. But I, I don't have too much compunction about doing that. If I'm in town, I don't speed, to, you know, because it's dangerous. But if I'm driving 70 area in the freeway, whatever, you know. Um, so uh, it doesn't seem to cause any, any um, undue angst. Thing. Well, you know, sloth and torpor is a real challenge for people on retreat. And I, I'm, 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 I'm thinking we should, uh, IMC should buy a Harley Davidson. <laughs> have, re- have, have ready a retreat on hand on retreat center. And, mm, mm, sloth and torpor, just put you on, take a spin on the freeway and come back. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> okay, so then, um, then the third question: uh, how, how how does ethical integrity support Buddhist practice? Um, we spent a lot of time on that, and the first thing we did was try to define Buddhist practice, and using a different vocabulary, I think we basically agreed that it's a, it's a path to eliminate suffering. And then we got into a discussion about what, what is the right thing to do in a whole variety of situations. Uh, you know, enabling was one example. When, when do you say no and when do you say yes? And you know, how do you know what's ethical and what isn't ethical? And we arrived at a conclusion that mindfulness is probably the way to discriminate what what is ethical and not ethical. And then we kind of said mindfulness supports Buddhist practice, and by that time it was over. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Great. So another, another offering from someone in that question, another group maybe, or...? You don't have to represent what was said in the group, but just say, offer something kind of on that question from, came out of, over here in the front.
things. Uh, well, what what she said actually sparked. Um, towards the end of our discussion, we were talking about um, Buddhist practice as the cultivation of wisdom. And so using, seeing wisdom as, or not as something that you attain or acquire, but something that you tap into, and so that the practice being um, cultivating an ability to, to tap into and recognize wisdom as it arises, and then using that wisdom to actually support ethical behavior. So, so rather than having a set of rules about what's right behavior and what's wrong behavior, is using that wise um, place inside to, to, to just directly know what the ethical um, path is. This is um, a bit of a piggyback on that, although we were in a different group. But we talked a little about the fact that um, there's a, a letting go and a thinning of extra stuff that gets in the way of being clear and clear seeing. And that, that ethical integrity embodies that uh, clear seeing and that letting go and thinning that then supports the Buddhist practice, as you were describing. Mm-hmm. So um, someone in our group mentioned that um, if everyone would just behave ethically, the world would be um, a lot better place with a lot less suffering. And as I've sat here sort of thinking about that and also thinking about what others have said and then the way I feel about integrity is that um, it's an, it, it's a, an integris. If someone... Integrity for me represents a through and throughness. It's there's a solidness about it. So then, if I think about this whole idea in Buddhism where we're all interconnected, so if all of us were just through and through, you know, someone else mentioned a, a trueness. A tr- the wheel is true. The course of the wheel is true we would create this incredible um, network that would truly end much of what we know as suffering. Beautiful. Thank you. I was just remembering your story about things that create the, set the conditions for um, good meditation, and one of them was to wear clean clothes. So, in a sense... Um, ethical behavior is to the whole practice as clean clothes are to sitting. Beautiful. Nice analogy. 
Now, if you reflect a little bit on uh, what are the, what are the what's uh, um, um, brings about unethical behavior. <clears throat> I think generally unethical behavior, ethical behavior, behavior which causes harm, hurt, causes, pe- causes hurt to other people, that um, it um, generally uh, uh, involves some expression of greed, hate, and delusion, some attachment, something we cling to. And uh, if the Buddhist path is defined by release from clinging, release from attachment, you see there's a one-to-one correlation between uh, the practice of being ethical or, or being virtuous and the practice of freedom. And so it isn't so much that um, ethics supports Buddhist practice. Um, living ethically or exploring this way is Buddhist practice because it's addressing directly this issue of clinging. When I was ordained as a, a Theravadan monk in Burma, uh, one of the surprises for me was the value of the 227 precepts you had to follow. I had, um, I, you know, I didn't become a monk in order to follow 227 precepts. I wasn't like, you know, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and, um, and in fact, I kind of, if anything, was a little bit dismissive of them. I, mean, I knew I had to live by them, you know, it was part of the deal, but it wasn't that important for me. It was just like, it was the cost of being a monk. And more, you know, and, um, and, but then I was really surprised, very quickly I was surprised, that uh, it required a high degree of mindfulness. I had to be always be I had to be present and attentive to what was going on, uh, to be able to track whether I was uh, breaking a precept or not. Because these precepts that the monks followed, they weren't necessarily ethical precepts or moral precepts. You know, it wasn't like I was causing harm. It means like if my if my um, the slip of my robe was not straight, then I had broken a precept, right? So I'm not I haven't caused any you know ethical harm in the world by you know. The, whether my because my hem is crooked, but uh, it required mindfulness to be attentive to that, or and a more uh, significant one is then, um, that can exist also for us because of the, our lay precepts, not taking what is not given. Is uh, it, uh, some people it takes a fair amount of um, mindfulness to notice if you go to someone's home and you see a book on their bookshelf. You're not going to take it, but maybe you shouldn't even pull it out of the bookshelf to look at it. Until it, clearly, there's been a you know you, you know they say oh you can do that help yourself and take a look. Uh, you don't assume that you can take a book out of the bookcase until it's been clearly given, and so it requires a, a, that that precept requires mindfulness attention to some of the impulses or habits we have. Just oh just look over and do something casual and and even if it's not doesn't cause harm to take someone's book book out of the bookcase, um, what ha- you know it might be beneficial for all concerned that you leave it there until you say, can I take a look at your book? It means that people, they, they can trust you in a different way. Um, even they think maybe it's kind of silly that you asked, they know that they trust you. And it requires certain mindfulness. So that these precepts also can uh, support mindfulness a lot. So, um, I, thought these were th- I thought there were just three good questions to explore. And uh, because our time is so limited, and these you know, six hours we have here together. And we should at least spend a week or a month or a year on this one topic of ethics and see, or virtue and explore it much more carefully. So we kind of, you know, made it all richer 
by having three different questions at the same time and then having it come back to the group as a whole. How is ethical behavior beneficial to you and beneficial to others? What conditions support ethical integrity? How does mindfulness support ethical integrity? And three, how does ethical integrity support Buddhist practice? Okay, so um, let's take a 15 minute break. We'll start again here at 2.30 and uh, for the last session together before ending at 3.30. Thank you. (laughs) 